Welcome back to another episode of the Gifted Performance Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to like the video and subscribe for future content. For more information about our one-on-one coaching and other training or nutrition options, visit giftedperformance.com. Our newest feature, the Gifted Express, offers premium programming for bodybuilders, powerlifters, Olympic weightlifters, and lifestyle clients for only $30 a month. Enjoy the video. We'll see you on the next one. And as always, stay gifted. Welcome back. Another episode of the GPP Gifted Performance Podcast, a special episode because it's my birthday. I'm officially into the fourth decade of my life. I've made it. Why are you wearing your shit? You took all your shit off. Didn't think I would make it, but somehow, some way. Wait, you're, you're not 40. But it's the fourth decade. I made it. Oh, like you're starting Woo! the fourth decade. Nice. Been setting those off all day. I woke up Lexi with that this morning. Just That's popped great. right in her face. I'm sure she loved it. All right. Oh, my God. They smell so bad, though. They smell like disgusting. Charlie's going happy birthday. And I know I'm going to die because of it. 30's right. crazy, right? Like you never thought you'd fucking get there. 30? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I don't know if I'll make 40, but I probably said that about 30. Here we go. All right. We are answering your questions today. We are starting off with a question from at gold underscore leader 804. So gold leader is a, uh, a fan, we'll say, of Mr. Gifted Kuza himself. Part of the, the Kuza fan club. Um, a frequent question asker. And let me just say, we do appreciate all the questions that we get, not only from you, but in, t- in the entire gifted family. Um, so Mr. Gold Leader asks, do you think laxogenin is a good supplement for naturals? And what I want to say on this one is let's zoom out. Supplements for naturals in general what are we talking about in terms of the impact that it's going to make? Are the guys on stage that are winning WNBF worlds in bodybuilding, are they the ones that are the genetic outliers? Are they the ones that are using things like laxogenin or are they genetic outliers who are also taking advantage of supplementation like laxogenin? What's the, what's the effect size of dietary supplements in natural competitors? Um, well, I think in natural competing, it's very genetic based. Like if you're going to be a really good natural competitor. Uh, so I think supplements are not like the missing key for a lot of them. Poly rocket. I just Paul hates me. anything that's natural. Like <laughs> it's not that man. Why the creatine hate on the GPP? <laughs> it's not that. I don't know. It's just a question in general. I <laughs> I don't know, man. So wait, are are we answering the question or just talking about like how how much of an effect supplements sort of take it take, take it any direction natural. you want to go with it? I mean, no direction. I give no shits. But um, <laughs> like. <laughs> I, get, I mean, yeah, supplementation is it's it's such a small piece of the puzzle when it comes to it comes to naturals. Um, honestly, I, I sort of feel that in general, from a muscle building standpoint, uh, supplementation put, putting a lot of time into supplementation is a uh, 
a poor endeavor, a poor use of your time. Yeah. It's the cost is often not um, yeah, worth the benefit. Yeah. You can, you can bury a lot of money in supplements. And laxogenin is one of these, I think, plant steroids, ectosteroids, that are kind of regaining popularity. Mm -hmm. If you look back across the span of time, Animal, the sub company under Universal, had a supplement called, I think it was called Animal M-Stack. And it had like three or four different ectosteroids in it. And this was probably 10, 12 years ago that they had this product out. And it was like, everyone was super hyped on the ectosteroids and like, you know, animal data looked relatively promising. A lot of people tried it, didn't get much out of it. And it kind of fell out of favor. And now we're kind of seeing, like, we always talk about that pendulum swing within like supplementation, training, bodybuilding, all that. Now we're kind of starting to see it swing back in favor. And I think, you know, you can celebrate a million followers. I think Derek More Plates, More Dates is driving a lot of this traffic to ectosteroids again because he may be financially inclined to push things like that. Since he's got he, some skin in the game. Yeah, he's got a good amount of skin in the game. I mean, props to the guy. He moves more terkesterone than anyone I've ever met in my life. <laughs> but um, ter well, I don't even know how to say it, but that stuff, I was reading on it yesterday. And I think it's the most powerful plant-derived steroid. So I think that's why it got a lot of merit and like more publicity. I know laxogenin or whatever, kind of the same thing. But in my opinion, I don't think it's very natural anymore. Once you're going down certain anabolic pathways, they don't bind to androgen receptors, but they do cause different anabolic activity. Now, how natural depends on who you talk to. I mean, I, I know some natural guys that would say they're not natural anymore. I wonder I wonder if ectosteroids are banned by WADA. Let me see. Yeah, check that WADA list. Hey Jamie, Jamie, pull it up. Jamie. We need a Jamie. I don't know anything about laxogen. Um I've never heard of laxogen. It's the first that I've heard of it. Or laxogenin or whatever. I've seen it on supplement bottles. I, I had a bottle of some supplement years ago that had some in it. But I don't know. Is that why you're huge? Probably. <laughs> arguably taking testosterone is more natural because it already yeah. belongs in your body. Yeah, exactly. If it naturally exists, things like insulin, growth hormone, testosterone, those are all naturally occurring. So if you want to stay natty, pump so up your levels of that. It's not banned on water right now, Okay, but there's a push to ban it because of the anabolic properties it has. Yeah, so watch. WADA is going to get a stick up their butt and they're going to ban it and the the like drive the desire to take it is just going to go through the roof because people are going to get that like confirmation of like oh if wada banned it then it must be a real steroid or it must really work it's like wada and whoever tests for the ncaa they test for like caffeine if you take too much caffeine you can get popped by the ncaa which is just absolutely wild yeah, so it's not banned right now, but there is a push to ban it by uh, by some people because it has significant anabolic properties. According to what? I don't know how significant that yeah. is. <laughs> like, how, how much do you think this shit works if, like, you... Let's say you're, like, a naturally higher testosterone person. 
Like, is this stuff really going to help you that much? Like, you know, like those people, like Clark's a good example. Clark, naturally, his blood work had his test score at a thousand. Like TRT would be a bad thing for him. Yeah. So if somebody is like, okay, look at the natural community again. They're most likely those kind of outliers naturally hormonally. So what would this do for them more? You know what I mean? I think the the great equalizer in natural bodybuilding and i think a lot of people if jay was here he would definitely agree with us is like time it's like most natural bodybuilders reach their peak when they're in their like mid late 30s you look at someone like jeff alberts he's like fucking like 50 something and he's just an absolute monster he's bigger and leaner and better as a bodybuilder than he ever was but like that's not a very good answer for people to hear people don't want to hear like okay just like keep doing what you're doing for another 25 years and you'll get there man i think they don't like hearing like you know after that first three five six years like the amount you get better from year to year is just almost not even noticeable you know like you like yeah from a bodybuilding perspective if you look at stage shots like two days two decades into bodybuilding like a lot of people look better, but it's such a small, small, slow progression. And a lot they, of times you don't even know if they are actually like have been building muscle over that time in small amounts or just getting better at dieting yeah, and losing I, less muscle. You I know? think the 3DMJ guys had a, an episode about that where even Jeff Alberts was like, I don't think that I've got like gained a bunch of muscle. It's just like I'm not. I'm not as dumb as I used to be with dieting. So they're not like losing a bunch, gaining a bunch. They just kind of don't lose as much over the course of a diet. And yeah. They don't better like on stage. murder themselves with cardio and try to, you know, yeah. diet 30 pounds off in like 14 weeks. It can be done. All right. Gold leader, Mr. Gold leader. Um, I hope that answers your question. Um, if you want to try out laxogenin, don't let us stop you. Please don't let us stop you. Take it. Take as much as you want, whenever you want. Let us know the results. Maybe maybe we're the idiots I think here. Redcon, Redcon sells it. T20 oh, yeah. Kuza for 20% off. Yeah, use code Team Kuza. Yeah, get on that. All right. And our next question comes from at Tyler Veach 9 Tyler, you... Uh, you got Dom good on this one? He's going to let you have it? No, no, so. his was a good question. I had somebody else that asked a bad question. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Tyler wasn't the one who asked if Dom has diabetes. Dom does not have diabetes. Um, Tyler, Tyler asks, what is your reasoning and explanation for the blood sugar slash glucose testing? Are you asking me or Paul? You're the man. You're the man with the glucose test. You're you're, you're the man that's pre-diabetic, dude. <laughs> this is your... <laughs> so uh, the reason I test my blood sugar so much is because I'm in a pretty decent... I'm eating a pretty decent... big. Yeah. I'm eating a decent amount of food right now and trying to gain weight, which ultimately has, you know, fat gain included with that. And uh, as I'm gaining this weight there's the potential for, you know, my pancreas to be pumping out insulin kind of all day because of how high my food is to the point where I could develop some insulin resistance from, you know, a whole bunch of different aspects, but mainly from the just amount of food I'm eating and the weight I'm gaining. And, uh, 
keeping track of my blood sugars in the morning and then a couple of times throughout the day after meals is a good way to see if my body is still responding well to the food and uh you know because insulin resistance has a lot of different things that are really bad for it too not just like the unwanted fat gain um and also it kind of shows me too like how my sleep quality is um if i need to raise my activity a little bit uh, because i was running a little higher blood sugars for a bit and the big biggest fix i did was um uh, make sure to focus on sleep a bit more and get my activity up a, a good bit yeah that was actually gonna be my question like let's say you know you have a stretch of a week or two weeks where your blood glucose is consistently a lot higher than what you would what you would want to see what's the course of action for you do you you know pump the brakes on the massing phase do you increase you know your physical activity throughout the day what worked best for you now, I think some people I think some people end up pumping the brakes too quickly on their food thinking their food is the biggest issue but as we know a lot of people don't look into like you know a lot of people don't even look at how many steps they take a day a lot of people don't look at the quality of sleep they get um, so I think looking at those two things first before touching your food is probably the best thing and a lot of people actually even when you wake up you know there's some people experience like dawn phenomena where they wake up their liver dumps a bunch of blood glucose to kind of get them up through the day um which is you know relatively normal so a way to see how you respond is drinking like 20 ounces of water with some salt in it and then waiting about 20 minutes because that can help push that blood glucose your liver dumped and kind of get you back to that fasting level you most likely are at and then testing your blood sugar um some people just test their blood sugar like immediately when they wake up don't drink anything don't barely move and they get this kind of higher end number that might be like a little falsely elevated uh and then you know that you know tends to freak people out and then make pretty... uh, they make they make immature decisions at that point yeah yeah I don't know or, if that's something that a lot of people know. So how, how much, you said how much water and how much salt, and then give it how much time? About 20 ounces of water, like over a water bottle worth, and adding sodium in it can help transport some of that glucose that's in your blood that was dumped out by your liver when you woke yeah. up, and then waiting about 20 to 30 minutes um, so that that water can do its job. And really, another good way, too, is not cold water, make it room temperature or even lukewarm because water won't start to absorb until it reaches internal temperatures. So a lot of people that down, that's why like if you chug really cold water, you'll feel it like almost sit in your stomach or sit in your gut. Uh, warm water can get absorbed faster. So that's another uh, way to, you know, just make sure the water's like that. There's some salt in the water to help with like glucose transporters. And then wait a, a little bit and then test your blood sugar. So, um, yeah, I, I wanted to throw out some considerations for for that sort of question, too, is, you know, I, I think, like, if you're in that circumstance, like, two weeks, like, having high blood sugar is not something that's an immediate danger to your uh, health or to your gains, right? Um, 
So I, I would definitely, if somebody had high blood sugar for like a few days, a week or two, I wouldn't panic yet, but just like examine what, what's going on in your life and see if you can think of like a root cause or something that you uh, could fix or something that you've been lacking that you could just add into your life if needed, right? So like if you have been in a crazy busy portion of your life uh, and maybe you've been sleeping five hours a night, like, hey, maybe address that first before you do anything crazy, like pull back on the food or diet, but also look at like the sort of phase you're in currently within like your physique goals or whatever you're doing and also just just consider that right like if you're only four weeks away from sort of ending this growth block and you're kind of going into a diet anyway or you're going into maintenance or um you know like you know that this elevation isn't going to be for an extended period of time like just just ride it out like what's four weeks you know um so yeah, I tell sometimes it's just like people sort of think that they they go through their growing phases and that blood glucose should be like fucking stellar the entire time. And there's just a certain cost, especially if maybe you're enhanced, there's a certain cost of doing business. And it's sometimes going to happen and just because it happens doesn't mean it's an awful thing that needs to be fixed immediately. Yeah, and I think uh, I think A1C, like that three month marker of average yeah. blood sugars, um, is good. But one thing, like when I started learning more about A1C and things like that, it's actually heavily influenced by the last four weeks up to the blood test. So yeah. the most recent month has more weight on the data produced in the blood work, because even for me. I had my A1C tested and then retested five weeks later and I dropped it 0.3%, which is actually pretty significant to do in five weeks, but it most likely was because there was more weight on. So now that I, so there's more weight well, on that lower blood sugar because I started controlling it yeah. that it actually brought it down. Well, that makes sense, right? Because the average lifespan of a blood cell is about 120 days, but they're yeah. not all the same age. So, you know, over that month before the blood work, you know, there's a lot of new ones in there. Do you guys kind of operate on the same terms with something like blood pressure, like a couple high blood pressure readings at the peak of like a massing phase is something where you're like, you know, that's, that's the price you pay for playing the game My or is that, or is that one that you pay maybe a little bit more attention to? my my biggest the my biggest concern whenever there's a marker um that maybe just in isolation may not look so favorable is can we explain it is there a reason for this is it expected can we explain it right because if you can't explain something like let's say you get some blood work and liver en enzymes are are really high and you're they haven't been drinking taking drugs or doing anything um, they took some time off from the gym and they're, let's say they're like over a hundred or something. That's bad because we can't explain it. Right. But if we can't explain it, we know how to fix it and we know whether or not it's appropriate. Right. So at the end, you know, as you gain body weight, it is sort of, uh, it is expected that your blood pressure will increase. And so at that point, it's like, Hey, if it's just, you know, we, we take a few measures a week 
you know, maybe once a month or something or however frequently. And a couple of them are high while, you know, wait it out, get some more data, you know, and then the other consideration would be, um, is it reasonable? Like you went from 110 to 120, 125. Like, I'm not going to panic about that. You know, even, you know, you're, you're, you go from 120 to maybe you're in the 130, 135. Even if you tap on 140, like, I'm not going to panic. We just don't want to stay there for the next like year of your life. Right. Yeah. I think trends have a lot to do with it too. Like all, all these markers. Oh, I thought you said trend. Yeah, uh, I was like, wow, okay. All right, we're just going right in on it. Okay, no, no. Tell me more. Are we talking ace? Are we talking E? Are we talking a blend? No, like uh, trends. Uh, <laughs> but I think trends have a lot to do with it because, you know, you could have you could have those off readings some days and then the next couple of days it comes back to normal. Yeah. Or, you know, it could just be a day like training or, stress yeah so many sleep. things play into it yeah, yeah. but you then you see a lot of people meal. overreact i think i think if anything um my personal opinion pushing you know like enhancements and weight and all that i think there's no reason to not be using like an arb of some sort just as a health precaution an angiotestin 2 receptor blocker um like telmasartan uh, I just think it's preventative, precautionary. It, there's n very little known side effects. Why not take that measure, in my opinion? Is that something that even in the natural crowd, if you had like a natural bodybuilder who's really trying to push their body weight up, they might benefit from that as well? Or is that something that's exclusively geared towards the enhanced crowd? I just, I mean... I'd imagine I, I I don't necessarily share the same opinion as Dom, but just because it's something I've not looked into a shit ton, right? Um, but I mean, anybody with with higher blood pressure chronically can benefit from uh, lowering it, right? And so that may be a tool to do so. Uh, I would sort of push people in the in the direction of controlling like body fat and activity first. Um, and then there are other things too, that people can get as well, like, you know, Cialis or whatever, and you can even probably get that from the doctor. Uh, nice. yeah, that, that can lower blood pressure a little bit. It's, it's not going to be a ton, but, um, shit, there was something else. I forget. Whatever. <laughs> whatever all right tyler i hope that explains a little bit about health monitoring and why dom does some of the specific things that he does with his blood oh. glucose testing here we go that's just what i was gonna say like a, a lot of people like to freak out about these things but you know just try not to you know no, a lot of these markers they're they're not immediate concerns they're not immediately going to kill you or cause like long-term damage right like, yeah, your, your kidney markers, if that like looks awful when you get it back on your blood work, probably you should address that very soon. But, you know, blood pressure, you know, lipids, glucose, th these are things that take a toll on your health over several years, right? So no need to panic. Just, just work on it. Good advice. All right. Our next question, it comes from Sean Little. Uh, at what it do 17 still love that Instagram name. Sean asks training days where you can't catch a pump. 
what gives? So what are the most common causes of not being able to catch a pump? That's you're, never you're happened. Resistant. You should you should check your blood sugar. Never in my life have I not been able to get a pump. Like even even man. No, I mean like even like deep in dieting, I still get a pump. It doesn't last as long and it's not not as juicy. But I've never been able to just not get a pump. I want to say that Sean asked this question when he was near the end of a contest prep. And I think that's a common concern for people is that they don't get like the same pumps near the end of a contest prep or the end of a hard diet that they do uh, when their food's a good bit higher. So like probably has something to do with like fluid and carbohydrate and sodium intake in the diet. And like your willingness to like train at an intensity level that is going to elicit that pump. This is a good question because we're like we're in the winter now, so like a lot of people are in their massing improvement season, off seasons. If you start to if you're pushing weight pretty hard and you struggle to get a pump, it's probably time to diet because your body fat's probably getting too high. I feel like and- something's just wrong. Like, how can you not get a pump? Like, and so I think I think a lot of it has to do with like if somebody's like getting too fat. I think but have you just, ever not been able to get a pump when no, food's a pump? I, I can't even. I, I can't don't even think it's a real thing. Maybe they're just not good at being able to tell they have a pump because they're fat. Like I've never seen anybody. That would mean that your working muscle just there's no signal in your body to send blood to it. That's you're probably impossible. going into cardiac arrest. Like, you know, like that doesn't that doesn't happen. <laughs> they probably are relating like the little, you know, the, you know, the little tiny pump you get at, versus like the I feel like a balloon. Yeah, they probably just are relating everything to the feel like a balloon. So anything yeah. less than that is not getting a pump. So I will say actually, this. No, uh, I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna go no, first. No, fuck you. Uh, so first. if I nope. train. Nope. Nope. Um, if, if I've been training for several, <laughs> after I've been training for a solid three or four weeks, my pumps are not as great as um, like just post deload. So really, yeah. I feel like mine get better as my meso goes on. I always get my best pumps after taking like a solid, maybe like four days off. Crazy pumps. Dom, you brought up a good point that it is the winter time, so it is cold. So maybe your gym is a little bit colder. It can be a little bit more challenging to pump up when you are cold and to maintain that pump just because of the body's basic thermoregulatory needs. Like I can say backstage at WNBF Worlds, it was so freezing because it was being held in an auditorium where the magician, this isn't a lie, the magician demanded that it be cold because his fans have to be cold to enjoy his show the most but Wait, like, they had a magician at w- wmbf worlds well it was like held in an auditorium inside of the link and like that auditorium usually houses like the magician the in-house magician who does his show uh, there so it was just like permanently cold in there so rachel like took off her like robe and everything and we got her pumped up and then she stood there for about two minutes got the goosebumps and her pump was like diminished very quickly dude i feel like every backstage is cold though yeah well you're not wearing i think they do it on purpose so that people don't sweat their tans off yeah maybe yeah 
So what's worse, not being able to get a pump or being that guy that's like dripping your tan off? Being the guy that's dripping, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'd rather yeah. go on stage without a pump. I would have to agree, yeah. What are some other reasons people might not be able to catch a pump? They have really poor sodium intake because they think salt is bad for them. That, yeah, yeah. Do you know how many people ask me, why do you want me salting my food? I thought it was bad. Yeah. Where did the Where did that come from? It's like the, the same guy, the same guy who made up like eggs or whole eggs are bad for you. He was also like, you know, what will really piss him off. We say no salt too, because like yeah. an unsalted egg white misery, Ugh. pure misery. It comes from all the blood pressure health stuff. The blood's crazy is like uh, if you look at the effect for most people of of reducing sodium to lower their blood pressure, it's like a a five point change. A yeah. three to five point change. It's like I think it I think the recommendation comes from people who are already exhibiting signs of like hypertension that they're like, hey, a bunch of sodium will probably make your hypertension worse. Mm -hmm. Lowering your sodium isn't necessarily going to make your hypertension better. It's just gonna make it not way worse. Make it not way worse. Yeah, I think that I think that makes sense. It's your birthday, you get a pass. I do. All right, I'll take it. All right, Sean, sodium, warm up, make sure you're doing the movements correct. Uh, uh, what else? What else? What else? I think that was it. I think that was pretty much it. Maybe take some, take, take some Viagra. Honestly, this might sound weird, but like try to train in front of a mirror. Maybe he has trouble with mind and muscle connection. If he actually looks at himself, yeah, it might actually help him. Yeah. So if you're experiencing like a pump elsewhere like you're doing like bicep curls and you're feeling like a big pump in your traps like yeah find yourself the nearest mirror make some deep eye contact and do your curls that way send that blood to the right muscle all right our last question comes from they say her name is lauren but it's laren laren ford at built ford tough 15 she says this is an interesting question um i think she was coming out of a diet dieting phase when she asked this so we'll take this as like a post dieting context uh she asks why do some people respond better to carbs versus fats in a post dieting period or even do they do they even respond better and what does respond better even mean that that's the biggest thing for that question is like you know I don't doubt that some people may respond better to one versus the other. And I know I tend to favor, and I think Dom does too, tend to favor uh, fats for females coming out of a diet. But, you know, what what are you using to gauge or measure that you respond better? Because is it just body weight? Because you may, the, the carbs may just come with a little more water and muscle volume which can be a good thing even, right? So do you just not like what the scale looks like when you're adding carbs post-diet? Post yeah. I think uh, I think some people are probably related to digestion of, like I respond better to carbs because I digest them better than fats kind of thing. That could maybe be a reason. Um, I don't know. I feel like I've over the years, I used to tend to like do higher carb, lower fat diets. And then now my diets are pretty kind of even across the board 
where they have like a good percentage of everything. Yeah. And I haven't seen, I haven't really seen a difference. Like, I think it's a lot of it's mental too. Yeah. I think a lot I of think... it's mental and like keeping adherence in check post show. Like usually that post show conversation that I have with a client is like, name the top five foods that you're craving post show. And they'll be like, Oh, like I really want to eat more like oatmeal, pasta, potatoes, and like increase my uh, the amount of like chicken that I could have. I'm like, okay, this is someone who like just wants more carbs to get their carbs up. If it's and most of the time, you know, it just happens to be that that females prefer this. They're like, ooh, like I'm craving like peanut butter and red meat stuff like that. Then I'll know, okay, want to increase the fats instead. But I've noticed that same thing where like women tend to recover better from a diet when you increase their fats without the large body fat gain. Um, men tend to stay leaner and perform better with carbs post-show. And I don't know if I have a very good explanation for that other than it's just anecdote. And my anecdote is science. So pup uh, I, eat my dick. I have some anecdote too. And, and mo the most of the reason why I do it with females is from, you know, potentially some sort of hormonal benefit maybe. Yeah. And I have had some circumstances where, um, you know, bump some fat up and then the, the menstrual cycle comes like right back. So I don't know, but you know, correlation isn't always causation. So I've been doing a lot of, uh, the recovery diet approach, not reverse dieting where I like jack up calories pretty quickly, um, right out of the gate. And a lot of the people haven't had like the binge. I have noticed a binging issue has kind of gone down a lot. Absolutely. And like, you know, people will say like the reverse diet is a better way to keep like your body weight low post show. It's like, what is the benefit of keeping your body weight low post show other than your own vanity and your own like ego driven aesthetic desires? Like that's it. Like if you want to feel better, not have cravings, you want to get your hunger under control, you want your penis to work, you want all that stuff. Like the, your best bet is to eat more calories and get your body fat up as fast as possible. Yeah, like even the people like recently that had recovery, like that I put on recovery diets, like over the past three weeks, they've only gained like 10% their body weight back. Yeah. Which isn't like a, to, to, to two of the girls, it was only, so it's over three weeks, they've gained back 10 pounds. And they, but I mean, they haven't came to me with like, I have a problem binging right now. Yeah. And you're going to gain that weight post show regardless. We can reverse diet, keep it super strict, and you can binge and not tell me about it because you feel guilty. Or we can just go straight to recovery diet, get the calories way up, drive your likelihood of binging way down, and completely cut out that psychological possibility for psychological stress from the start. And if you're really lean, um, you know, and, and in some divisions, you, you don't have to be that like shredded or anything but if you're really fucking lean adding 10 percent of your body weight back you're still pretty damn lean <laughs> you know and a lot of that 10 that 10 of your body weight isn't going to be mm -mm. like it's going to be transient body weight in that you're holding on to a lot of fluid and a lot of glycogen that you filled out that if you were to then go back to your prep diet and reduce your carbs like all that water and carb would flush right out and if you gain 10 pounds eight of it would be gone in seven to 10 days. Yeah. So keep that in mind as well. 
But I think even with like that recovery diet of like that gaining that 10% weight, I think a lot of people have to go even further than that to mm -hmm. see all of those, those negative. Oh, for sure. They still look great right now. Yeah. Cause what's that 10% body weight? It's not 10% body weight and fat. No. You know, a lot of it's fluid and glycogen because, it you know, you're coming off of a really depleted state. And even if you carve up for your show, you're never 100% full. Yeah. What I've been actually doing lately with my clients um, is trying to drive them significantly leaner going into peak week so that we can peak on way, way more food. And a lot of them will come out of peak week and be like, I just had a week of like everything that I could possibly want in terms of food. Like I'm not super hungry. Like I'm ready to get back onto a plan. Yeah. I think that's why I wasn't too food focused after two. Like I ended dieting at pretty good calories. I was hungry as fucking shit for like six weeks. <laughs> I was hungry after, but like yeah. I didn't, I didn't binge a lot. I didn't really binge after. I've definitely had it both ways. I've definitely gone absolutely wild after shows. I've kept it super controlled. I don't know. Both times I felt pretty hungry. My sleep was kind of shit coming out of it. It was just so uh, one. She said respond better to carbs versus fats. Um, I get a lot of lifestyle clients that are, will be like, hey, I've done I've dieted before. I lost more weight when I did low fat higher carb or vice versa um and i don't i, I don't know what di like directly that is for them um because like you know i'll work with the client i'll be like all right let's try it like this is what you've done in the past you've seen results with it let's see if it you know works for you and sometimes it does um but it kind of worries me too because like i think back to like super low carb diets for example with high fats you see like that drastic drop in leptin like there's good research that shows extremely low carb diets slow down the thyroid output very quickly out of the gate and that's why a lot of people on low carb diets see that initial like water loss and then it just stops and you know i don't know if that's what they saw when they did it i could see where higher carb lower fat diets had a better response in weight loss not because of anything like metabolism wise but probably because they just have more neat energy from the carbs. That's possible. Yeah, I think some people, I think some people, uh, they want to cut out carbs because they think that like super tasty foods are the ones that are high in carbs. So like if I cut out carbs, like, and I only have high fats, like I won't be tempted to have those foods because I can't fit those in. But a lot of a lot of the best tasting foods are that healthy mix of carbohydrate and fat yeah like there ain't nothing good about plain white rice cooked in no, water no white rice know. cooked in oil is way better oh yeah for sure that is some good for shit sure. some french fries <laughs> so where do you in terms of you look at the scope of your clients as a whole where do you notice more success is it when you take fats lower is it when you take carbohydrates lower or is it when you kind of like leave a little even mix there of the two well i always start them on an even mix of the two and then I'll, you know, slowly take away, um, you know, one or the other, depending on like, if they're, if they're more heavy carb, I'll take some carbs away first. Cause we have more to lose. Um, but to the end of it, they mostly end up mixed meals still. Um, but not, I kind of, I kind of always end up back at that healthy mix between the two. 
just at a lower amount, obviously, with calories coming down. But then uh, even a lot, of, I, I'm a huge fan of carb cycling. So I have like the super high carb days and then like the super low carb, higher fat, low days. I do that for a ton of people. I like to do an even mix too, but largely just because I don't like, I just know for, from my own personal experience, and I think a lot of people share this, is that having a big shock to your diet, a, a big change can sometimes be, uh, you're just like, oh, damn it. Like, you know, like if you cut carbs drastically, it's like all my meals kind of suck now. Or if you cut fat really drastically, you're like, damn, like I have my rice is just not not as good as it could be, you know, or whatever. So I like to cut from both fairly evenly as the calories come down. Right. Versus, you know, somebody kicks off a diet. Let's just say you remove 500 calories. Like if you did that all from carb. What is that? 125 grams of carb? Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. That's um, a lot. Yeah. I think that's why I kind of even split it between food and cardio as well. Like if oh, I yeah. can, like if I can pull a hundred calories from your food, that doesn't seem that bad. If I add a hundred calories to each day of cardio, it doesn't seem that bad on its own. But now we've kind of swung the tides or swung the deficit 1400 calories which if you think of it that way is like a lot um in favor of fat loss which is going to be a pretty big impact weekly yeah for sure i think it's especially uh helpful starting the diet and getting that initial push you know only pulling 250 300 calories from food and then you know just adding in a little bit of cardio in there or increasing steps or something so laren why do people respond better to carbs and fat we don't know we don't know. And we're not sure that they even do. We're not sure that this question is even the truth. We're not. It could be that, you know, your post-show window. I'm trying to remember what I added to Laren's diet. I think we went mostly carbs. I think she was, like, really wanted a lot of cereal, so we went mostly carbs. I think she stayed pretty lean and her weight stayed low for a little while. So, I don't know. Maybe that increase in carbs drove up your leptin, drove up your physical activity, filled out your muscle a little better so training quality was that much better. Who cares? You're jacked. It worked. So I was right. Gentlemen, anything that you want to leave the people with? Today was a quick episode. Quick episode today, guys. Good job. Nice, concise Good answers. Job. Good job. Anything? Anything? Nothing? Say happy birthday to Ryan. Belated because this is going to come out late. But... To me. I got this for my birthday. That's this nice. is the greatest villain in Dragon Ball Z history. Don't oh, come at I me. you were going to say in history. But now in Dragon Ball Z history, the Frieza yeah, saga yeah. and his reappearance over and over is the highlight of Dragon Ball Z. Don't is say Frieza so. a girl or a boy. I don't think Frieza has a gender. I think Frieza is like, what do you, what is that like asexual gender fluid? Honestly, I don't, don't know. know. And if I keep going, I'm going to say, but I saw a meme me one trouble. time. I saw a meme one time about Frieza. What was it? Are you going to share the meme with us? Oh, that was it. Is it a girl or a boy? Oh, okay. Well, and no yeah, one can dude, answer the question. For the yeah. longest <laughs> time, I was so shocked when I found out Frieza was a dude. Is Frieza a dude? Yeah, Frieza's a dude. Oh, he is a dude because they he always talk about um, that when they talk about his dad, he says his son. It definitely is a dude. Yeah, yeah. A dude. Frieza definitely but is a dude. everyone thought it was a girl. No, yeah. I did. For it's the a, voice. Like, so many years. Yeah. It's the voice for sure. 
All right, let us know below. Drop a comment so that we can feed the sweet algorithm. What did you think Frieza was? And if you didn't know what a Frieza is, just be like, what the shit's a Frieza? Oh, the uh, voice actor is a female, though, for sure. I'm pretty, I think I saw, I thought, I think so. I could be wrong. That's possible. All right. Like, comment, subscribe, all that good YouTube stuff. Make sure that you are listening, tuning in, subscribe so you can listen to all the stuff we're putting out. We are putting out videos Monday through Friday now. Every Monday, you are going to get an episode of Kuza's Corner, Dom's own single-person podcast. I listened to last week's episode. Big approve. I gave it that nice thumbs up to feed the algorithm. We'll see you on the next one. Till then, stay gifted. Bye.